0: Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 249. So the topic for today's episode is you want to get better with your camera? Well, then get out there and shoot. So this week, I wanted to reiterate that that is the best way to improve your skills as a photographer. You've got to get out there and shoot more. The more you work with your camera, the better and more proficient you will become. Don't worry if you go out and shoot a thousand images on a weekend and only have 25, 50, or 100 keepers. The reason for this, getting out and shooting, is to enhance and improve your skills and your technique. Now, I have a a short list here in the show notes that you can check out for yourself with some ideas for things that you can go out and shoot to improve your skills with your camera and your technique. And you can even work on your personal style at the same time. So, number one, walk around your home or home area and shoot wildlife. This is one of the easiest things that most of us can do. Because whether you live in town or more out in the country, chances are you see birds in your yard, you know, flying in and out of the trees, catching worms in your yard, especially after it rains and stuff like that. Or maybe you've got bird feeders. Uh, Maybe you have hummingbird feeders. I love to shoot hummingbirds. They're really cool. Um, now, of course, shooting hummingbirds, you got to really turn up your shutter speed because their wings just move so fast that if you want to get their wings perfectly still and have good detail, you're probably going to have to turn your shutter speed up to about 2000 two thousandths of a second. And that's just realistically. But get out there and shoot right around your home area. It doesn't have to be anything phenomenal. Too many new photographers, young photographers, and photography students, they get hung up on trying to get a million-dollar shot. Don't worry about that. Put that right out of your mind. That's not why you're out there with your camera on the weekends practicing your skills and perfecting them along with your craft and your style. Don't worry about that. If you're walking down the road near your house, and you see an old piece of farm equipment sitting in a field like I can where I live because where we're at now, we're really out in the country and it's it's pretty much all farm country out here. So you're walking down the road and you see a rusty old John Deere tractor sitting in the field. Take a picture of it. Walk up to it and be careful about trespassing on other people's land. Some people will get really persnickety about that With with, you know. That's practical, you know, because <laughs> uh, you are a trespass. Now, a lot of times, if they see you carrying a camera, and you're like, uh, like around here, I've talked to some of the farmers around here, you know, because I love to shoot wildlife as a part of my the hobby side of my photography. I love to shoot wildlife, and I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but I know from driving up and down the road that runs by my house that there's a bald eagle nest nearby because I've seen the bald eagle out. I've seen him eating his kills and stuff like that nearby. Um, so I got talking to one of my neighbors whose family, you know, they're farmers. And, uh, I was talking to him about, he's like, Oh yeah, I know where the bald eagles nest is. I could take you right to it. You know, we got some two or three black bears in the area. We got a pack of 60 coyotes. You know, we got, uh, we got a couple of mountain lions that I've seen all kinds of wildlife like that. So, You can get out and shoot stuff like that. Now, the point I was getting to about the whole trespassing thing, a lot of times if you're going to go out and shoot in a field, just make sure, you know, if there's crops planted there, you're not trampling the crops, you know, follow the standard path that the farmer uses. Um, and things like that, but ask them. You know, ask your far the farmer near your house or whatever if it's okay for you to go out in this field and shoot wildlife. Ninety nine times out of hundred, they'll tell you, yeah, just don't destroy my crops. You know, don't drive your truck or car across my field and and you know mess things up. And yeah, that's absolutely fine. So that's just one of the ideas of something you can do to get out and shoot. Now, another thing you could do in your home area. Um, and I'm still keeping this under uh, number one on the list is do some street photography. If you live in town, that's really easy. Cause all you gotta do is walk out your door and you can shoot anything that catches your eye. Uh, you know, a car driving by that you think looks really cool because it has a really awesome paint job or something like that, or just people going about their day, you know, bustling up and down the sidewalks, going to and from places of business and doing their shopping or whatever the case may be. So there you go. You've got the opportunity to do some street photography without really going anywhere. And if you live outside of town like I do, drive into town, Uh, you know, drive into town, park your car in a chain store's parking lot, you know, or something like that, and just walk around and do some street photography. So that's number one on the list of ideas of things you can do to get out and shoot more. Number two, drive back roads and look for interesting items that you can photograph. Now, again, I've talked about this a few times before on my show. That's how my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia series got started. Is I was just bored, so I went out one Saturday driving around back roads in Georgia. And I came upon Sparta, Georgia, which was practically a ghost town. And uh, so that's how that happened. But you could be driving down a back road. Maybe you'll you're, your eye will catch an old cemetery that's sitting off in the weeds or something like that. That's been nobody's cared for it in forever. And you can go out there and photograph that. Um, a lot of times, especially if it's an older t- uh, cemetery, they'll have some really cool headstones and stuff like that, or just for the historical value. Uh, But again, be careful about trespassing on other people's land. And again, as you're driving around, you know, if you see, again, you know, an old rusty car sitting in the corner of a field by the woods or something like that, get some pictures of it. Take your telephoto lens so you have some reach and you don't need to trespass on somebody else's land. So, you know, These are all just things that I'm giving you because I have photography students hit me up all the time and ask me, you know, hey, how can I get better with my camera and stuff like that? And I'm like, well, in addition to learning your menu as best you can um, and getting your buttons all configured a way that's comfortable for you, you've got to get out and shoot more. It doesn't matter what you shoot. Just find something to photograph and practice honing your skills. So again, driving down back roads, you know, again, you might see wildlife, maybe a deer runs across the road in front of your car and you can get a quick shot of that. Now, if you want to drive down back roads and look for things to shoot, go with somebody else, have your husband or wife take you out or a friend or other family member, have them do the driving while you look for cool things to shoot. Now around my area, I did that uh, a few weeks back. Uh, my sister-in-law and her husband were here for a few days visiting. Um, they're retired now and they travel uh, mostly up and down the eastern seaboard with their truck and uh, and their RV. And uh, they like to stay down south during the winter months because they're from New York and it gets really cold and snowy up there. So they go south for the winter and then they go back up to New York for the spring and summer up there. So anyways, they were here for a few days just a few weeks ago and You know, my my uh, sister-in-law's husband, Mike, uh, him and I, you know, like a lot of the same stuff and we were bored. So we went out one Saturday and we just drove around and photographed. uh, I took my camera and he had a smartphone and we photographed all these old smokehouse cabins that are used for smoking and drying tobacco and stuff like that, because that's a big crop around here is tobacco in addition to corn. Um, So there's something interesting you could shoot, you know, old buildings like that, you know, especially the really old stuff, you know, from like the 1800s, if you stumble upon something like that, you know, bust out the camera and start taking shots. All right, number three, go to a local botanical garden. Now, it doesn't matter... If you're not a macro photographer, you know you may you want to be a portrait photographer or live for a living. That's fine, but shoot something other than your money making genre to help enhance your skills and to just have some fun. I loved going out to botanical gardens when I lived in Georgia. I went to the one um, in Athens. Uh, it was part of the University of Georgia. I've, I've been, I've walked that thing probably two or 300 times in the 18 years I lived or 17 years I lived in Georgia. Uh, And uh, during the years that I lived in Gwinnett County uh, in Loganville, we had a smaller botanical garden that was fairly close by called the Vines. Uh, Beautiful little botanical garden. It had a bunch of Greek statues on one side of the garden. And, you know, and of course, you go there in the springtime when the flowers first come into bloom, there's all kinds of beautiful things and colorful things that you could shoot there. And uh, a lot of times you would see uh, other photographers there doing portrait shoots, Uh, you know, paid portrait shoots for seniors or couples or whatever the case may be. Uh, Maybe they were doing, uh, you know, engagement photos or something like that. So that's just another idea of things you could do. Now, you don't need to spend money on an expensive macro lens to just go out and play around with macro photography. Get yourself some extension tubes for your camera instead they're super inexpensive basically what you do is you put the you put these extension tubes on your camera body first and then you attach your lens to the extension tubes and it basically allows you to use any lens as a macro lens because it's moving the lens farther away from the actual sensor It creates more of the macro. So you could do that. And I mean, you can get a good metal set of extension tubes on Amazon for, I think, like 15 or 20 bucks. They're not expensive at all. A lot cheaper. Than going out and buying a really expensive, you know, actual macro lens, especially if it's something you're just doing in your free time, uh, because it's something you like to do or to improve your photography skills. So, you know, don't if you're not planning on shooting macro and trying to make money off that, which it's probably kind of a hard genre to make money off of. I, I know there's people doing it. There's people making money off every genre of photography that are that have been doing it for a long time and they're just really good at it. Uh, but not everybody's going to be able to make money off that kind of stuff. So don't spend, you know, $500 or $1,000 on a macro lens just to play around with when you could just buy a set of extension tubes for $15 to $20, $25 and turn any of your lenses that you already own basically into a macro lens. So that's just the cheap and easy way to do that. And then you can get out there. You can get close-up shots of the flowers, you know, maybe a bee that's on the flower, you know, gathering pollen. Uh, A lot of times you'll you'll see butterflies in botanical gardens and stuff like that. You'll probably see some squirrels running around, chipmunks, whatever the case may be. But it's just another idea of some place that you can go to practice your photography. Now, number four, go to a museum of any type. It doesn't matter. Uh, When I lived in Georgia, there were all kinds of museums. When I lived in Gwinnett County, there was the Southeast Railroad Museum that was really cool because I love trains, especially older trains, you know, stuff like that. But I would go to the uh, Southeast Railway Museum. I would go to art museums. I would go to historical museums, science museums here in North Carolina. They have a great science museum in Raleigh, as well as the North Carolina Museum of Art in Raleigh. And I love to just walk around those places and photograph whatever I think to me looks cool. It doesn't matter. I'm not looking to make money off the images. I don't care if I never make a dime off them. It's something I do just for me. Um, and it's to prevent burnout, you know, in my case, I've been shooting for over 30 years, so i pretty much got my skills down. I don't have to worry about that, but a museum can be a great place to practice your photography. Maybe you could, you might even be able to, you know, get a few portrait shots in while you're there of other customers that are walking around the museum. Or you ask them, you know, Hey, can I take a quick portrait of you? I'm not going to charge you anything. And, you know, I'll throw it on my Facebook. And if you want to, uh, share it out on your Facebook, that's totally fine. Uh, You know, but you can do stuff like that. Now, keep in mind, if you're going to photograph things that are in, you know, behind glass or inside glass cubes or, you know, on display or whatever the case may be, you're probably going to need a circular polarizing filter um, that you can use to cut out the light and reflection so that you can get a clean shot. Or um, they even have these universal... what do I want to call it? It's like a universal uh, hood type thing. Uh, I have a couple of these and they're big black round rubber thing that you can slip right over the end of your lens. And then you can put your lens up really close to the glass and this thing will give you a clean area in a big circle around your lens, you know, so it's out of the frame. It's not going to be, you're not going to get it in the frame when you take your picture, but it'll kill all of those reflections and stuff. So you can shoot cleanly through the glass of an object that's on display, you know, because sometimes they're really small objects. They might be larger objects. It just depends. You know, if you go to a, you know, a civil war museum, it might be, you know, old style musket rifles that are on display and stuff like that. Um, or you might be shooting smaller items in a museum like that, such as, you know, a collection of medals from that, uh, that particular war and campaign or whatever the case may be. So that's just another idea of things you can do on in your free time to improve your camera skills, improve your technique, develop your personal style. Um, These are all just suggestions. Number five, attend a local event. It doesn't matter. Let's say it's a sporting event. Maybe uh, you, you're you close enough. You could drive down to the local high school and shoot high school soccer or baseball or football or something like that. Maybe it's a local festival. Uh, maybe it's a fireman's festival or something like that that's going on in your town. Or maybe your town has a little fair, you know, every spring or something like that, like an apple and cheese festival or whatever the case may be. Um, or maybe it's an outdoor concert. You know, uh, some towns have those during the, the warmer. Parts of the year, they'll have uh, you know various uh, people come in and perform in an open outdoor. Uh, they'll have an outdoor stage, you know, and they'll set up the sound system and all that stuff. and uh, And the concerts are either free or really low cost, um, so you could go to local events like that. It doesn't really matter uh, it's just another way that you can get out and shoot more. And, you know, there you can not only shoot the event, you can get the, the folks that are up on stage perform, uh, playing their instruments and singing or whatever the case may be. You might be able to, you know, get a few, uh, portrait shots in while you're there of other people that are there for the show. Or maybe the local school is having a science fair and you could go and photograph that. That would be really cool. Cause then you could photograph the kids experiments, you know, that they came up with to put on exhibit for the science fair and that can be totally cool that can be really awesome all right so i'm going to take a break right here and then i'll be back with items six through ten we hope you're enjoying this edition of the liam photography podcast the best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at com. You can find the show notes and links at com, And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Okay, so continuing on with my ideas, you know, 10 ideas I have for things you could do to improve your photography skills, uh, especially when you're first starting out. Uh, Go to number six is go to a zoo or other type of animal park. Now, again, when I lived in Georgia, this was fairly easy for me to do because we had Zoo Atlanta. Um, There were a couple of smaller zoos in the northern part of the state that, you know, were only an hour and a half, two hour drive away, so I could make a weekend of it. Um, You could also, uh, if you went down to, I think it was Pine Mountain, Georgia, they actually had a wild animal safari there um, where you could actually go. You could go by yourself or take your family or whatever the case may be. And they charge you $25 to rent one of their vehicles uh, because they're specially equipped to protect you from animals biting you and stuff like that, but allow you, you know, the safer animals to stick your hand out through the bars and feed them and stuff like that. But it's great. You could drive around a safari park like that and photograph all the animals. Get photos of the giraffe, the elephants, uh, the lions, tigers, whatever the case may be, mountain lions, panthers, whatever. Uh, Flamingos, peacocks. Um, There's just a lot of that stuff that you can go out and photograph on a weekend that you might not have actually already thought about. Okay, number seven, shoot at an amusement park. Now this is another possibility. You could go out to an amusement park near your home and just practice your photography. I mean, trust me, amusement parks have tons of very colorful things there. Whether it's the you know the the color palette of the rides, you know um, that you could use, or you know you can photograph you know uh, a vendor in one of those little you know snack booths uh, that's uh, passing out a uh, uh, handing out a, a stick of. Uh, Cotton candy to a kid, or something like that. Uh, There's just all kinds of opportunities for things that you could shoot at an amusement park. And again, you can get some um, environmental type portraits where you're just snapping, you know, people that are also there to, you know, attend the amusement park with their kids, whatever the case may be. Now, be careful about photographing other people's kids because that can can get you in some trouble. You can make the parents angry. You might get punched in the face by the dad. Uh, So be very cautious about that part. Uh, But just as an idea, you know, shooting a, an amusement park is another great place where you can practice your skills and you're going to get lots of vibrant colors you're going to get lots of excitement there. There's going to be a lot of things going on. So you could probably, you know, practice a few different styles of photography or genres, if you will, just walking around an amusement park. Like back where I'm from in Pennsylvania, I uh, used to live in the Harrisburg area. So I used to go to Hershey Park quite frequently, um, which is a great place to photograph. Or maybe you got a Six Flags nearby or something like that. So that's another possibility of some place you can go uh, in your free time on a week. Weekend or whatever, and just practice working with your camera and improving your skills. So, number eight uh, go hiking and shoot some landscapes. Again, this, you know, it depends on where you live, but I'm sure there's probably some place nearby that's not too terribly far away from most people where you can go hiking and, you know, there's trails or whatever the case may be. Or maybe you're like in my hometown of Troy, Pennsylvania, we had Mount Pisgah on one side and Armenia Mountain on the other side. You know, and you could drive to the top of either one of these mountains um, on blacktop roads or very well taken care of dirt roads, get to the top of the mountain and you can get some beautiful landscape shots from up there. And then of course, you know, being you're on top of a mountain, I'm sure you're going to see plenty of wildlife that you could photograph. So just another thing that you can do, go out and hike those trails, drive up to the top of the mountain, whatever the case may be, and then just get out with your camera, walk around and shoot whatever catches your eye. Don't worry about Again, you're not trying to make photographs to get rich off of. You're not trying to make money off them. Of. You're just trying to practice your craft, improve your skills, get more proficient with your camera. That's the whole goal. Uh, and that's what we're talking about in this episode. Number nine, take your camera with you on vacation. Now for some of us this is going to be <laughs> this can be a little bit tricky cuz I know some of my photography friends uh love to take their cameras with them on vacation but then they're constantly wanting to stop and get shots and then their spouse gets frustrated the kids get frustrated and stuff like that. <laughs> uh so keep that in mind. That could be a little bit of a problem. Um but if you're going uh, on vacation take your camera with you especially if you got a really small setup like uh, like since I switched to FujiFilm you could take an X- e series body, which are super small and compact rangefinder style bodies. You know, slap a, a really small lens on it, like a 23 millimeter uh, or something like that, and which is 35 millimeter full frame equivalent, and take it with you on vacation and just shoot things that catch your eye while you're on vacation. Um, or you know, especially if you're shooting a Fuji, you could get yourself one of the X100 line of cameras. That is, uh, it's an X series camera, but it doesn't take It's not an interchangeable lens camera. It's not an ILC. Uh, It comes with a fixed 23 millimeter F2 lens on it that can't be removed, uh, which is 35 millimeter full frame equivalent. Uh, Those make great travel and vacation cameras. I know a lot of photographers that own one of those to just take with them when they go on vacation uh, with their spouse and their kids. So it gives them something they can take with them and shoot without it being too inconvenienced for their family, Um, but allows them to get some quick shots as they're out, you know, wherever you are. Maybe it's your first time your family's going to Europe or someplace like that, or maybe it's your first time going to Disneyland or Disney World or Universal Studios theme park or whatever the case may be. but t- you can take your camera with you on vacation and i'm sure you're going to find some really cool things that you can photograph just like i said don't go too overboard because you're going to you know whoever you got with you is going to get pretty upset if you're constantly stopping to photograph stuff and they're trying to do sightseeing or something like that you might you might <laughs> you might have a little friction there on the trip so uh just keep that in mind if you do take your camera with you on vacation now number 10 The last item I have on the list is you can practice your portrait shooting at your local church or school. Um, now if you're, you know, if you go to a, a local church regularly, I'm sure it'd be pretty easy as a member of the congregation to, uh, get other members of the congregation to let you, uh, shoot free portraits of them either before or after church. You could do it in lobby or whatever the case may be, uh, just to practice your photography skills, you know, shoot the pictures and, you know, tell them you're going to put them on Facebook and they can, they can share them out on their Facebook, you know, free of charge. You're not going to charge them anything. You just want to get some practice in and hone your skills. Now, remember, you know, because cameras are all digital nowadays, unless you're somebody that specifically has an older camera and and likes to shoot film, you got a digital camera. Your pictures are saved on a memory card. There's no burning through rolls of film, no having to send everything out for development and wait for it to come back to see if you got keepers or not. Everything is fairly instantaneous now that we have digital cameras. But again, go out and practice shooting portraits or whatever the case may be at your local church after the church service is over, or maybe before it starts. You can walk through the main part of the church and you can photograph, you know, usually churches will have, you know, uh, candelabras or whatever the case may be, you know. Or menorahs or whatever the case may be that you could photograph. Uh, Now remember, it's going to be fairly low light inside a church. So you're going to want a lens that's got a really wide aperture, or you're going to have to really bump your ISO up and your shutter speed down, but don't turn it down too slow, because then you're going to end up with blurry images. Uh, Or you could, like I said, you can go to your local school. Now, don't worry about, don't, you know, go to the local school and and terrorize people's little kids with your camera, but go to the local school and and talk to the principal. Maybe you could do uh, basically environmental portraits for the teachers um, or the office staff of the school or whatever the case may be. Again, it gives you another way to practice your photography, hone your skills. And especially if you're going to shoot portraits for a living that's a great way to do a lot of portrait photography at one time, you know, to, to get your skills down pat, your style all worked out, your technique and all that stuff. And you've got free subjects to use. You know, you don't have to hire a model for a lot of money, you know, hundreds of dollars or whatever the case may be. You can go to your local school and photograph the teachers and the office staff, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, Maybe you could uh, on the day that the outside photographer is coming to the school, do the kids pictures for the yearbook or whatever the case is. Um, You could just tag along and watch how they do things, um, especially if you're going to be a portrait shooter. Um, If it's okay with them, you'll have to ask them ahead of time. If it's okay if you just shadow them and watch, you know, how they do things, you know, what their technique is, their approach. And you could learn a lot from something like that. Now, of course, you can also learn a lot about photography, watching, you know, there's thousands, if not millions of free videos on YouTube, but you're not getting hands-on experience. That's what you really need. It's great to watch free content like that that'll teach you, you know, the ins and outs of your camera. And if you can't shoot shooting Canon or Fujifilm, you can head on over to my YouTube channel. I've got informational videos on both systems that'll come in handy for you. I'll put a link to those playlists in the show notes that so you can check them out for yourself. Uh, but you can't just rely on consuming a lot of visual content to get better at photography. You've got to actually get out there, work with your camera, practice with your camera, get your style fleshed out, your technique, you know, work on your composition skills, your, you know, the lighting and stuff like that. Um, You know, if you're going to do the, the free portraits at the school or church, you probably have to take some sort of lighting kit with you. Um, just because like I said you're indoors so the light's not going to be anywhere near as good as it is outside um, and you could do that you could practice that you know if you need to take a reflector and you know one light or whatever the case may be um, so you could bounce you know fill light onto the opposite side of their face you know from the opposite side from where the your your actual light is whether it's a continuous light or a speed light or whatever the case may be but these are all just 10 ideas that I wanted to share with you today on things you can do to get out and shoot with your camera more, practice with your camera more, hone your skills, you know, figure out your technique, your personal style, your approach to composition, lighting, and all of that good stuff. These are all just ideas to try to help you out. All right. This is going to wrap up episode 249 of the Liam Photography Podcast. Thank you. To join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at atl If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. I wanted to briefly apologize to my listeners. I hope there hasn't been a lot of issues with it. I'll find out what probably when I do the editing. But today, while I've been recording, it's a little bit stuffy in the house. So I decided to open up the window in my computer office, which is what I also use for my studio for the time being until I get my outdoor building finished. Um, The interior and the power to it, and all that good stuff. So I apologize if you were able to hear some of the loud Trucks that drive by—I don't know why so many people, loud trucks, think they need to drive up and down this road all the time when there's main roads on both ends of this road that they can just be going up and down instead. So, I apologize if you heard some of those trucks with loud exhaust. I tried to make sure I paused it ahead of time, you know, as I would hear them coming. So, hopefully, I was able to cut them out of the recording. If not, I wanted to apologize. All right, I will see you all again on Sunday for the latest news and rumors.